I know these are questions that are heart-searching, and so please uh, take time to, uh, during the day or sometime when you have a quiet time, and just answer them as you read through Psalm, um, Psalm 143. I have many, many dates against that psalm. It's an amazing psalm because it, said it addresses so many emotions. Uh, emotions of the enemy, how to deal with the enemy, how to um, how to come before God, how to finally come to the place. Well, it's all about you, God. It's not about me. I just want to close with uh, one, uh, and I know there's supposed to be a Q and A after this. No, it doesn't matter. With Psalm 51. Uh, which is a good psalm to pray through after you've praised yourself, 143. So I think 143 is a very heart-searching psalm. Um, Well, I was in the right place at the right time, but my heart wasn't right. I was in India with a team, and one of the ladies on the team was loving, gracious, kind. And if you know anything about southern ladies in the U.S., they're very effusive, always expressing their love and their emotions. And I was anything but that on this team. And, uh, and then I became envious and jealous what, what do you do with this is not your lifestyle? And yet everybody was responding to her and nobody was paying any attention to me. So that, and we were teaching. We are teaching about Sanjay. We are teaching about God's love. So uh, I was reading Revelation at the time and uh, came to the last church that uh, Jesus was telling John about, that what he was going to do. And it was um, the church at Laodicea. And he says, I said, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now, those are pretty severe words. But he just, at that point, just put my his finger right on where I was. Uh, and I, what do you do when the Spirit unveils your heart you just you just repent. Uh, otherwise, you stuff it in. So I just sat there, and I was looking over the Himalayas. We were in this beautiful little chalet in uh, in Missouri. Who someone here was there, and uh, beautiful, beautiful. My heart was just broken over my envy, over my jealousy, over my lack of deep compassion. So um, that's when Psalm 51 became alive. Oh, it has become alive on many, many other occasions for me. If you see my Bible, I have lots of dates written against Psalm 51. Uh, So uh, that's my introduction to Psalm 51. So I was in the right place at the right time, and I was a sinner. David was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he was napping on the rooftop when he should have been out fighting God's enemies, securing the borders of the kingdom. 
Not being where he should be, he led his life. He let his eyes wander and his heart followed. His heart desired what was not his. Wasn't he king? Could he not demand what was forbidden? At least that's what he thought even before he acted. When Nathan the prophet, uh, a question was asked, who is she? A command was given, bring her here. She came. Is not what the high king does who commands the land? She conceived, her pregnancy was covered up with the murder of her husband, and God was not pleased. When Nathan the prophet came to David to expose his heart with the story of a stolen lamb, he cried out that he had sinned against the Lord. God despised what he had done, and David had utterly scorned the Lord. Psalm 51 starts with David's confession. I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have my sin and done what is evil in your sight. Actually, those were his first words. Have mercy on me, blot out my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Now this is interesting to me. In this psalm, he never mentions exactly what happened. Or what he did. He had deeply wronged Bathsheba in causing her to commit adultery and then covering it up by killing her husband. But it was God whom he had sinned against. So let us remember all of us through our lives will either sin against somebody or somebody sins against us, but just always remember that it is God before whom we stand. And David knew that. He knew there was no one in the entire universe who could forgive, restore, and renew his heart. And from Psalm 32, we read that God's hand was heavy on him day and night. That's a huge burden to bear, even as he dealt with the guilt of his sin. I'm no different. I too even has an unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. I've penciled many dates in my Bible next to Psalm 51 and keep adding, well, how does my heart drift? Just like David, just like God's people going astray when God was ready for them to go into the promised land. It starts with an unbelieving heart departing from the living God. When I am discontented, lack compassion, judge instead of accepting, seek praise instead of God's glory, make my own plans, lean on my own understanding, the heart has already started to drift. This is when I cry out with David, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit with me. I often use my journal to lay my heart before God, and here are some of my entries. Have mercy according to your steadfast love. Blot out maybe many transgressions, you know what they are, the deep roots of unbelief, the branches of self-centeredness that choke the deep, uh, choke the word. Dig deep, Lord. Wash me thoroughly and completely from my sin. I know you desire a clean heart from neglects, leaning on my own understanding and not living for your glory. In the innermost part of my heart, the secret part which nobody knows, teach me wisdom. Lord, there's another uh, journal entry. Lord, I've lost my joy. 
created me a clean heart, just as you created the heavens and the earth. There is no one who can create a clean heart but you. You know the superficial motives of my heart. Uphold me with a willing spirit. You know I have done a lot of teaching. Now teach my heart. Then the hearts of women. When you withdraw, well, and then here's another quote. These are all quotes. When you withdraw your presence because of my sin, then I try to make things right. Maybe study the Bible more, fast, read a novel, long, get long to get away, shop, eat, whatever you do when the heart is restless. In fact, I love to read. I, I, I can escape into a book, any book. Well, not any book, but lots of books. And and I often use that as a substitute for no, for going to to God. I re, and I God has graciously given us a place to Spain. And sometimes I think I've just got to get out of here. I can't. I can't. There's too much going on. I can't process all my life. I need to get away. And it's usually rented, so I can't get away. So I have to deal. God, him. One of my favorite psalms, and we don't have time for it this week is Psalm 139, you have hemmed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And I'd never liked that verse. I don't like your hemming in. I don't like to be constrained. Uh, sorry, that's the, the bent of my heart. Uh, now, and I find now that this is a very good psalm to pray, that it is good to be hemmed in, that then that is where God will teach you. You may, you reader, you, you, I'm sorry, this is part of my book, so, uh, you may have different strategies. They're all good things, but what David found, and I too discovered, was the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken heart you will not despise. So when you think about all the ways you think, uh, in, in the U.S., uh, if you have to call for help, we have a 911 call. Here, here, I, I don't know what your code, your, your, is it 999? Yeah, okay, ours is 911. And I call it AAA. Well, that's also an organization that if you get into trouble, then they will come and rescue you. So it's AAA. So I do the AAA, which we love. All of us love. If you don't love this, then you tell me. Then you're not even human. We love approval, we love applause, and we love appreciation. And all of us hunger for it. And I do too. So those are the things, those are the sins that come creeping into my heart time and time again. So I live with family. Do I want their approval? Yes, of course I do. I want the approval of my... I live with four... There's four generations of us living in one house. <clears throat> do I want their approval and appreciation? Yes, of course I do. But do I get it all the time? No. So where am I going to get it? It's got to come from the Spirit. It's got to come from Jesus. Well, David knew the importance of burnt offerings that the blood of the bull made him right with God. He looked forward to the greater David who would give his life blood for his sins. I know there's nothing I can do to make my heart sing when I'm overwhelmed by my sin. I, too, come to Jesus for cleansing, renewal, restoration because of royal blood that was shed for me 2,000 years ago. David's sin was serious, and he was severely punished. 
But praying through this psalm, we know that God, what, what God despises and what God delights in. We also find that God does renew, restore, cleanse. We now know why every young toddler has a bit of their own because he says, in sin did my mother conceive me. I often ask to speak at a shower, a baby shower, which we introduce to an Asian community, and that's very unusual because they don't like anything. In fact, they don't even give presents uh, until the baby is a year old to be sure the baby's going to live that long. Now, maybe this comes from India, but it sort of comes into South Hall. So we introduce baby showers. So... When I speak at a baby shower, I, I have three points. I do three psalms. I start out with Psalm 139, which, if you're familiar with it, talks about how baby is woven in a mother's room, how beautiful it is, and how intricately it's taken. And I talk about that. And then I said, you know, there's only one problem. This baby comes out of the womb with a mind bent of its own. Now, I live with a nine-month-old, a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And the, the nine-month-old, you know when that child is angry, when he doesn't get his own way. And he just, I mean, kids come, children come out that way. And what are, what are the struggles with, with, uh, in relationships in family? Everybody wants their own way, don't they? And you as a parent can... can uh, to a certain extent, to do that, but when they get a little older, then, then the then the struggles begin. So that's the heart. And then I sh- I share a little bit from Psalm fifty one, and then the last psalm I share is Psalm one twenty seven. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. So I <laughs> this was so amazing. I, I I said this. I think the first time I spoke this was at a shower where two women. One was English and the other was uh, from India. Uh, and they were both expecting babies at the same time. And they were friends, so we had the shower together. And uh, the, the Asian woman was married, I'm sorry, so the English woman was married to a, uh, a convert who was uh, from a Hindu background. So he brought a lot of his Hindu friends. Well, after that, they just, uh, they, they all clapped. <laughs> the first time anybody ever clapped at a baby shower. <laughs> so uh, then later on, the one who, uh, the one of the men who was a Sikh came to me and said, uh, uh, wanted to read my book, From Fear to Freedom, which is not out there, unfortunately, but but I think you can order it. And, uh, and he read it. Now, the interesting thing is it shows you that the spirit just has to be in a heart of someone who's going to read. People have read my book and have been totally changed because they just Christ met them in the book. But he just uh, analyzed it and analyzed me. And as far as I know, he's still not a believer. But those, those psalms really kind of tell tell a story. But it's just always good. A parenting principle is that these children have hearts that are bent away from God. They need changing, and only God can change them, and you can't. So if you don't get anything out of this day, remember that. 
Well, the lessons of the consequences of sin, the appeal of the heart for forgiveness is before us in this amazing confession and restoration. Yes, he was punished. The baby died. And when he he took Bathsheba as his wife, she brought forth Solomon, one of the great kings of Egypt, I mean of Israel, a king that nations came to inquire, the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that he would be the father of nations. That's the big picture. Sin never has the end of the day. God never wastes anything. Even our sin is used in a mysterious way for his glory. And I want to repeat again this this, uh, phrase from Augustine. O Lord, your will is so great that whatever is against your will accomplishes your will. And that's what happened. Oh, the sweet taste of joy when the heart is renewed, delivered from the relentless pursuit of approval of a self-centered life, of finding life in Christ alone, to know God is pleased with a broken heart. And that's where I need to come every day. I need new refreshments. Uh, yesterday's bread is not sufficient for today. I need new bread every day. God bless. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rosemary. Um, we've we've got ten minutes left, and um, we thought we'd just have a time of um, question and answers from Rosemary. So, if anyone has any questions, either from from today, or from having reading Rosemary's book, or just generally questions, um, then have a quick think and and just put your hand up, and I can I can come and your question. Hello. Rosemary, where's home for you? That's a good question. When I'm in the U.S. visiting family, that's home. And when I'm in London, that's home. And I'm looking forward to the home in heaven. <laughs> so, I, I, I have found that I cannot look at one single place and say, this is home. I, I, the Spirit just doesn't let me do that. It just because I just, my heart is so uh, stirred to want to seek Christ for that uh, that he, I, I don't know how I'm communicating, but um, and it isn't because I'm older. It is just that uh, there's just nothing that makes me really so secure and safe any place in this particular world. There's always my sin. There's always the sin of others. Uh, I, I wish. But I, I'm thankful. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for living with family here. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, my home. Uh, well, actually, my daughter bought it, but uh, I have a place there, and it's very nice. Uh, but it—it's not where 
I feel that's where I should be. Would you explain a bit more about the Sonship course that you run? Actually, I told uh, two things. I told my granddaughter, Gillian, because living in London is so all-encompassing that there's just no time to think. Uh, And and so I was struggling to put these talks together. I said, Julian, if I ever say I'm going to do another retreat, then just remind me of all the struggles that go with it. That's one thing. Then I said to Jan this morning, you know, I'd really like to come back here and, and give you sonship lectures. <laughs> so I did. So I have to call that to Julian. <laughs> anyway, sonship. Uh, <clears throat> when, when we first went to Uganda... Uh, there was just an explosion of people coming to Christ. You know, the people were so, so needy and so desperate, and, and it was just fertile field, and hundreds of people came to know the Lord. So we come back. By this time, my husband's pastor of a church, and uh, besides being a professor at seminary, so we came back, and a lot of people wanted to go back with us on the next time out. And uh, so he sat down with them, and he said, well, sh- t- share, the, share how you came to Christ, and how would you share the gospel with someone? And he found out that they didn't know how to share their faith. So this was kind of the very first seeds of sonship. Uh, so, so then they go, so then we go to, to Uganda and we, we take, I don't know, we took another young man with us. The first time we went, we took three, three young men, four young men, and the second time it was just one. But while they were there, um, Jack and Bob, Bob Hippie, who is my son-in-law that I live with in London, he, they decided uh, to, to go to one of the islands in Lake Victoria. So they, um, they, then they preached on the book of Galatians, which is, you see all these people in front of you and you think, oh my, is this, is this what you should do? You know, but they preached the book of Galatians. And, and out of that, one sailor, big uh, Choli sailor came to Jack and said, you mean I can go to sleep tonight without uh, taking all this banana beer to keep the demons from me? And then another man who was a businessman followed us to Kampala and asked, said, you've got to tell me more about this book of Galatians. So it began to form in Jack's life, and by this time, our son Paul was working with him. And they're just... Jack realized that, that often people become believers and then, then they just think, well, now it's up to me. 
I got to get busy, I got to do work, I got to produce the fruit. And so this course is all about bringing you back to basics. And so what I'm doing in these lectures for you is really bringing you back down to basics. How does the heart, how does God reach into the heart? How, uh, how, how can we be free for, from condemnation? Americans are full of guilt. Asians are full of shame. You know, we all have these trends in, in our hearts to follow that. So, so then we, the, the heart of it is a verse from, um, from Galatians 4, 5, and 6. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might be have the rights of sons. So the sonship course is designed to help you to understand who you are as a sinner, but needing every day to come to a fresh view of Christ. So it deals with the subject of, of, of repentance. It deals with, brings you through a, a lot of Galatians, uh, brings you uh, to understanding in a deeper way how we have a tendency to be uh, blame-shifting, uh, have a tendency to be self-righteous, have a tendency to be defensive. Uh, and I've given this assignment in different parts of the world, and I, and I give a tongue assignment in it, which is for a week now, because we often have weeks of sonship where every day we lectured, and then... Uh, the tongue assignment was for a week now. You're not to gossip, not to complain, not to uh, blame shift. Not There's five of them. Uh, anyway, whatever we do with our tongues that are wrong. <laughs> and, and, and that exposes. Our, in fact, when Jack and I started to do this with each other, we didn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> so. So you can know how much our tongues were going the wrong way. <laughs> so, but and now it's a bona fide course. It uh, we used to. Uh, uh, they still. Oh, and the, the fascinating thing is that it is now for the first time come to England. There's a, a woman who was deeply impacted. One of the. So, so what the course is designed to do to help you to understand your adoption, help you understand the work of the Spirit. Uh, my lectures were usually on the conscience and forgiveness, how to keep an ongoing forgiveness. It's just the nitty-gritty of life, but, but uh, the foundations are, are, are the gospel. So uh, I lost my train of thought just a minute. Um, oh, yes, sonship. So one of the women, English women, her husband's a pastor, she said for 20 years she just lived on the surface of her life, just acting like she should as a pastor's wife but have no heart. And someone just sat her down and, and uh, talked to her about her adoption as a daughter. And her, her whole life was just completely, so completely changed. So we... And she organized a sonship week where I wasn't the speaker, but I, I did some mentoring. And they are serious now about bringing sonship to England. 
So with that, we'll tell. I think they're going to do another one. So I'll, pre- I'll keep in touch with Jan when and there might be some women that would. Now, this, this was a whole week. I brought three, four of my Asian friends with me. Two of them wanted to follow up. So what the way this course is, divide, is designed is there's teaching and there's counseling. And the counseling goes with each lecture. And, uh, and, and often, now there's a young couple that came to that sonship, and they're just starting their sonship with uh, World Harvest in the U.S. So, any more questions that help you understand? Yeah. Yeah, this has made a profound effect on uh, all of a sudden people are just tired of living on the surface, you know, tired of just pretending. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it's, uh, but it's, it is now being, tra- I think, translated into Spanish. I'm not sure, I think. Uh, but anyway, a lot of books now are coming out. Gospel, well, I just finished a book uh, a gospel guide to parenting. So the, the gospel-centered life, there's a lot of booklets like that that have come out that are study books that, uh, that, that is sort of the outgrowth of the original sonship. So this, it keeps you in the gospel. It's basically what it's designed to do. Can we get hold of any of the sonship material well, if I, if I uh, get your email, uh, then, then I will send you the links to it. And uh, yes, you can. They're all available. In fact, I think uh, the publishing company, 10 of those, carries a lot. I mean, they're, my daughter, who, if, I, I hope you'll read the book, Come Back Barbara. She was the one that rocked our world and went astray. Um, she is now a publisher. I'm sorry, she's now a managing editor of of a uh, publishing company called New Growth. And they... Uh, and she publishes a lot of those books. So I'll, I'll get you that link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that would... Because the emphasis is that the gospel should be new for us every day. It should be fresh. Well, that doesn't doesn't happen. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen to me every day. So, but when it does, it just is just refreshing and new. And 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 I think that's why the Psalms at this time of my life have meant so much to me. That uh, so uh, remember, I'm going to have one more story to tell. Or not. <laughs> I came home from Uganda once. Dry as dust in my spirit. Oh, it was. It uh, was probably the second time or third time around. Very, very dry. And I said to my husband, and this is part of the sonship. Uh, I said to my husband, I, I have to get away. I have to get someplace where I can, I can uh, hear the word of God. So I don't know if you're familiar with R.C. Sproul 
some of you, I see your heads nodding, uh, Ligonier Study Center, and it was in Pennsylvania at that time. So I made plans to go with a friend. Uh, but in the meantime, a friend of mine was starting a woman's breakfast, uh, outreach breakfast for women, and uh, she wanted me, and then there was a follow-up, and we were studying just a very simple booklet to follow up. And um, I said, I said to myself, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I have nothing to give. Uh, but but she's a friend, <laughs> so you do it. And oh, and I, it was just a very simple. I think Christ for uh, what is it called? Uh, youth for no, anyway, one of the organizations in the U.S. put it out. The second lesson was all about Christ and his righteousness. And it was one of those moments where heaven opened up and I saw the beauty of God's righteousness. Well, I didn't have to. I mean, the Spirit met me. I mean, what do you know? So I sent for all the tapes, and they were on Romans. And I couldn't get enough of the study of Romans. And it was so real and so uh, all-embracing, all-encompassing, satisfied every leaky, thirsty part of my soul. And uh, then I gathered, we were just a new church plant, and it came out of a lot of the troubled people living in our homes. So I have a big oak table, gathered all the women around the table that I knew were really struggling, and I said, look, we're going to study Romans. And I got a lot, when I finally came to a place where I said, look, there's no more condemnation for you, they could not hear it. But, but it was a great time. And then I thought, well, this is so helpful. Let me open it up to all the women in the church. So I opened up to all the women in the church, and then they were taped. And they have, they have made such a profound effect on so many women's lives. And it was... Uh, and that's kind of one of the things that's important in our sonship teaching is to just just remember who God is, that he is totally righteous, and he has made you righteous, you know? So um, why did I tell you all that? Oh, the part of the sonship uh, teaching. That, uh, but he's there for you. <laughs> he really is. There to meet every single need of the heart. Thank you very much. I think we need to go for for our lunch now. Um, But if anybody thinks of more questions, then um, I'm sure... I'm speaking for Rosemary, but but I'm sure she'll be happy to talk to you. Um, If they haven't finished those questions, I would just encourage them. Just take them home. You know, you're not not handing any questions back to me. I'm not going to grade anybody. I just want the spirit to reach your heart. So I think we just go through and get lunch.